Welcome to Life Church today. I want to welcome everybody watching us online. I want to welcome the West Campus and the Germantown Campus. And if you have your Bible, if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we're going to continue this uh, week 2, part 2 series on the, uh, this whole spiritual warfare, this whole warrior series that we're doing. And I just want to say right up front... Um, this weekend, that I'm going to be giving you probably more information than what I typically do. I typically preach out of an expository passage, just kind of walk through several scriptures. But uh, I really want to equip you uh, this weekend so that you um, walk out of here with some information, knowing what that is and how to apply that. Now, I don't know what's happened since last week when we were all together. Uh, I can tell you that I've had a few wars this week. Uh, it's one of those deals as a pastor, when you're preaching a message or a series on something, you kind of have to live it before, after, or during. Uh, maybe that's not your world at all. Everybody looks like it's just, man, it's just wonderful in your world. Uh, and this has been one of those weeks where it's just been, there's just been some great victories. And then, man, there has just been some slugging it out. I'm just being honest. And all they're in between. So if you can identify with that at all, I'm probably going to help you. If you can't, if life is just like... The, the, you know, the hills are alive, alive with the sound of music, then, you know, just uh, indulge me for a few minutes. But uh, Warrior, we're talking this weekend about the armor of God. Last weekend we talked about the fact that we're in a conflict and that when we become Christ followers, that's really when the conflict begins and that we find our strength by being in Christ. Uh, not by just asking God to do it for us, but when we are in Him and He is in us, uh, it's that whole abiding in the vine principle that Jesus talked about in the Gospel of John that we can ask what we will and God will do it on our behalf and he will work through us to do that. This weekend, we're talking more about the armor that he says. And so I want to read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. It's going to be our kind of our passage. And verses 10 through 13 are going to be a little bit of review. Uh, and then we'll cruise right on into to this week's message. Um, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and his power. And put on the full armor of God so that you can fight against the devil's tricks. For our fight is not against people on earth, but it's against rulers and authorities and powers of this world's darkness, against the spiritual powers of evil in in the heavenly world. Verse 13. This is why you need to put on God's armor, so that on the day of evil you will be able to stand strong. And when you finish the whole fight, you will be standing, still standing. And verse 14. So stand strong with the belt of truth, tied around your waist, the protection of right living or of righteousness on your chest. With your feet, uh, wear the good news of peace to help you stand strong. Also use the shield of faith, which can stop the burning arrows of the evil one. Accept God's salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times and with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything that you need to do this You must always be ready and never give up and always pray for God's people. Now, verse 13, if you look at that, verse 13, when the day of evil comes, can I just tell you in everybody's life, (laughs) the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. That's the good and the bad. Bad things are going to happen to good people in this world because this world is a sin-sick world that we live in. It's just the reality. It's been that way since the Garden of Eden. And it's not necessarily going to change until Jesus comes back. It's just the reality of things. And a day of evil will come. And so Paul's telling us here, be prepared. And I just want to remind you, even though you're a Christ follower, even though God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, you've got to be prepared. You've got to be ready. You've got to be vigilant. You've got to be paying attention. Don't just let these things come and just sweep you off your feet. Why, why am I talking about this last weekend and this weekend? Because I want you to be prepared. Because I want you to know. Because I want you to be fully developed, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So that when the day of evil comes, you'll know. You'll know how to handle it. You'll know what to do. Will it be easy? No. Will you like it? No. Will you rejoice over it? Probably not. Maybe you're more spiritual than I am. I don't. I'm like, oh, man, really? Today? And, um, you know, but the reality is you'll know what to do. And Paul says the key of being ready for the day of evil is be armored in God's armor. To be fully clothed in the armor of God. In verse 14, 15, 16, and 17, Paul lays out the armor of God. Now, what's interesting about this is he's writing this epistle. He's writing this letter um, to, uh, to the church in Ephesus. He is chained to a Roman soldier who is wearing the elements of the armor that he's describing. 
So you have to understand, as you read these words, Paul is chained to a Roman soldier awaiting trial, basically for being a Christ follower. And as he's writing these words, I can see him writing this and then looking and examining this wardrobe of this Roman soldier that he knew very well because he was a Roman citizen as well as a Jew. He had citizenship with both. And he would write, and then he would look, and he would write, and then he would look. And, he, and I want to give you kind of that whole background of what he would have seen and how it would affect really what he's writing. Because the Roman soldier was the best military individual on the face of the planet. They were trained to be able to kill anything, man or animal, within six feet radius. That's the reason why when you hear these scholars, or scholarship, so to speak, um, easy on the scholarship, um, uh, talking about how that, that Jesus, they just, the disciples, these fishermen rolled the tomb away and uh, rolled away the stone and they took Jesus' body. It was guarded by Roman soldiers. These men, are, are, are their training manual is, where, is, is the foundation of where we get our Green Beret and Special uh, Forces uh, manual for all of our, our infantry and Special Force groups in, in the U.S. military. I mean, these were, were valiant, valiant warriors. And so Paul is, is, is writing these words, and the first thing that he says is to have the belt of truth. The belt of truth. And the belt of truth means this, to pursue integrity. The, to pursue integrity. Uh, the, the belt would, would wrap around the, 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 the center section. It would kind of keep the toga that the Roman soldier would wear and would keep it completely uh, together. The, the, the belt was where all the sword and on all the arsenal and everything was hooked and connected together. The belt was essential. The belt also was large enough and wide enough that it would actually pr- uh, protect the stomach of the soldier. And so it was used for protection. It was used uh, to be able to tie everything together. It was the center point in which everything came together. The belt of truth. He's not speaking about the gospel, capital T or U-H-T-H. But he's talking about personal integrity. And what he says here, and this is all in order because this is the order, the order in which Paul writes this is the order in which a Roman soldier in the first century that Paul is kind of a word picture of would put this armor on. The very first thing would be the truth. The very first thing would be this belt. And it's not about the gospel, but about personal integrity. Because John chapter 8, verse 32 says that the truth will set us free. And when we are free in the truth, we are completely set. Uh, truth means, means whole or complete. It's, it's an integer. It's, it's, it's not compromised. It's not broken. Uh, and, 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 and so what Paul is saying here is, look, make sure in your life that you're living with wholeness. You're living with completeness. That, you, that there are no, there's no compromise in your walk with God. Now, we understand this theologically. There's a a phrase that says, sanctification, which is where we are purified through Jesus Christ and what he did, is both instantaneous and progressive. I I know I'm, I'm, just don't go to sleep on me yet. I'm going somewhere with this. And what that means is, is that when I come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, when I say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart and and come into my life and be my personal Lord and Savior, instantly in that moment, I I am set free from, from my sin. Instantly in that moment, my sins are washed away. Instantly in that moment, I'm right with God. Instantly in that moment, God upholds me as righteous right hands as David would, would, would pen in, in the book of Psalms. Instantly, my life is changed. And I have total and complete security that heaven is my home, that I'm in right relationship with God, and I have this direct access to the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. But sanctification, how many of you know, once you give your life to Christ, you have some struggles? Mm, can I get a witness in the house? You know what I'm talking about? We've got a few mountains to climb, a few valleys to go through, a few wars to fight, and, and a few battles here and there. And so that work of what Christ does in our life, it's also progressive in that it's ongoing. It's a process. We never quite get there. We're always just trying to get better. Again, I said it last weekend. It's kind of like a Tupperware dish where you, you get all three corners down and you go out to get the fourth corner burped and, and down and all of a sudden another corner pops up. It's just, it's, it's this human condition that we live with this flawed flesh and humanity. And Paul understands that. So he says, this truth of Jesus Christ will set you free, but make sure that every day of your life you gird yourself with truth. You gird yourself with integrity. That you live in a completeness and a wholeness. Don't dichotomize or separate your life. And here's how you live in the world and here's how you live for God. And here's what you do on Friday night and here's what you do on Sunday morning. And here's what you do when nobody's looking and here's what you do when everybody's looking. Just be whole. Be complete. Let that be the number one thing that you do is walk in integrity. Integrity's tough, isn't it? 
Seriously, because it's day in and day out. It's not like, I, it's not like a, a class I take, and okay, I've, I've accomplished integrity, and so I don't have to ever have to worry again. And, and, and the enemy, we talked about that last weekend, that he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that he's on the prowl, that, 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 that he's looking to, 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 to basically, man, just to trip us up. And there are days where we're weak, and there are moments when we're just down, and there's times where it's just tough, and, it's, and there's days where we just don't feel like doing it. We just don't feel like living right. Maybe, I'm, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one in the room. Us pastors, we just don't always, you know. I'm just saying there's just those moments. And the reality is, is that it's in those days that I have to make sure that my, I've got the belt of truth. That I'm walking with completeness. I'm walking with integrity. It's a choice that I make. Just the same way as a soldier would put on the armor. It's a choice. The second is a breastplate of righteousness. Let's talk about living right. For years, I used to think the, the breastplate of righteousness was all about, you know, what Jesus Christ did, and it had nothing to do with me. And again, I, I don't mean to keep going back and forth from last week's message, but they're so connected that it's not about me asking God to do it for me. It's about me living my life in Christ and being in Him and the strength that comes from being in Christ and, and not for asking God to do it for me, but to do it through me, and that's how God chooses to do it. And this breastplate of righteousness works the exact same way. The breastplate, this, this essential piece of armor, would cover all the vital organs. It would protect them in battle. It, 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 was, it, was, it was this thing that, that covered the entire uh, torso of the body. But it wasn't the righteousness of God like salvation, because we'll talk about that more in a minute, the helmet of salvation. So what is it? It's about me and how I live my life after a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, after I experience salvation. Every single day, making a choice in my life that today I'm going to live right before the Lord. Today I'm going to live right before my family. Today I'm going to live right before my, my fellow man. Today I'm going to choose to do the right thing. How many know that, that that's not easy, but it's all part of those choices? Just so you don't think I'm crazy, if you flip back to Ephesians chapter 5, the, the, the book preceding, the chapter preceding um, this, Paul writes it, and I read it in the New Century Version. I'm just going to read it for you. It's 20 verses. It's going to be really short, but I want to read this for you. This is great. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. You are God's children whom he loves, so try to be like him. This is what he means by righteous living. A life, live a life of love just as Jesus loved us and gave himself for us, a sweet-smelling offering and sacrifice to God. Let there be no, if you want a a description, here he's going to give you a description of what it means to be righteous before God. Let there be no sexual sin among you. Pretty easy. Anything that's sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is sexual sin and deviancy. If you have any questions what that is, just see me after service. I'll help you with that, okay? Any kind of evil or greed. Those things are not right for God's holy people. Verse 4, also there must be no evil talk among you. What would that be? Well, speaking foolishly or telling evil jokes. Or things, these things are just not right for you. Instead, you should be giving things to God. Which means basically, um, you know, be careful of, of the comedy. Be careful of the, of the joking. Be careful of just the, 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 the off-the-cuff, um, off-colored um, jokes that you would tell. You can be sure of this, that no one will have a place in the kingdom of God uh, uh, who sins sexually or does evil things or is greedy. Anyone who is greedy is serving a, a false god. What, what, what does it mean by that? It, it, it means that you're, you're serving materialism, that you're living your life for what you can amass. Don't let anyone fool you by telling you that these things are not true because these things will bring, God's, will, will bring God's anger on those who do not obey him. So you have nothing to do with them. In the past, you were full of darkness. And he's kind of given a comparison contrast of what we were like before Christ and what we're like now. But now you're full of the light in the Lord. So live like the children who belong to the light. The light brings every kind of goodness, right living and truth. So try to learn what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with these things in darkness, which are not worth anything, but show that they are wrong. It's shameful to even talk about what people do in secret. Um, That's the reason why that pornography is so wrong. That's the reason why that sexual deviancy that's put in any type of media form is so wrong. Whether it's verbally talked about in a a comics routine or whether it's it's on a screen or whatever. Because it has no place. Not even in our lives to even be discussed and talked about. Again, you go back to the original text. That's exactly what he's speaking about. 
It's shameful to even talk about what those people do in secret. But the light makes all things easy to see. And everything that is made easy to see can become light. That is why he said, wake up, you sleeper. Rise from the dead and let Christ shine on you. So be very careful in how you live. Do not live like those who are unwise, but live wisely. Use every chance you have for doing good because these are evil times. So do not be foolish, uh, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. Do not be drunk with wine, which will ruin you, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, he's speaking directly to, to alcohol. And, and he, he doesn't say that to have, to have an alcoholic beverage is a sin, but he says once you cross that line uh, where there's an intoxication, it's sin. <laughs> it's living life. The, the, the King James used a word called debauchery. That just always sounded like really bad to me. And it is bad. It's crazy stuff. So anyhow... But speak to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The breastplate of righteousness is about me choosing to live right. For years, I thought, well, that was just, that's just God's righteousness. So I just take on God's righteousness. No, 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 no. Now that I'm in Christ and I know better, now that I'm in Christ and I put away a dark side of myself, now that I'm in Christ and I have a chance to be able to live in the light and to walk in the light and to be in the light and to be as Christ, that's what he expects me to do. That's what he expects you to do. That's why he says, make sure that he talks in the entire book of Romans about this, this, the, the, this, this connection between the law and between grace. Yes, there's, God's grace is sufficient, that, that if you struggle and you fail, that he'll, he'll forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, that God's not some cosmic killjoy in the heavenlies with some Louisville slugger looking just to take your head off. But at the same time, he expects you to digest his word and to be a self-feeder of the word of God and to grow and to develop your spiritual man and your spiritual person so that you walk in the light, so that you talk in the light, so that you live in the light. And the things that are dark in you and in me, we need to get rid of those things. And that may always be a struggle, but don't quit giving the struggle. Don't give up and just go, well, that's just how I am. Well, that's just what it is. Well, this is just my, my, my one sin. This is my one thing. So I'm going to pack it up in a carry-on bag like I'm going on a trip. And I'm just going to carry it with me everywhere. This is my sin. This is my issue. No. He says, look, God's grace is sufficient for you. And God will see you through. But don't quit fighting the fight. And every single day of your life, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on a choice that you make. Clothe yourself in a choice to live right before God and before your fellow man. It's important how we live, folks. I know that may sound like O-line holiness, but it's a word called holiness. And the Bible says only the pure in heart will see God. Only those that are holy will see God. And we've got to look at our own lives. You don't need me to judge you. I'm not here to judge you. But I have to look. Aaron Cole has to look at his life and go, hey, where am I missing the mark? Hey, where am I doing the? Hey, how am I doing? Hey, how am I? And how is this? And how do people perceive? And, and am I living holy and pure before the Lord? Every single day of my life. If I want to be able to, to deal with the evil one and that evil day that can come in my life, if I want to be able to win the war, because I'm not wrestling with flesh and blood. I'm not wrestling with you. I'm not fighting against my neighbor. I'm not fighting against my boss. I'm not fighting against the suit or the man or whatever you want to call it. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. The next thing is the shoes of peace. He says to stand with confidence in the shoes of peace. Now these would have been the hobnailed Roman sandal that that was completely uh, tight and secure, that would, that, would, uh, that would have laces that would go all the way up, uh, just below the knee. And, and this was, many say, even, even uh, historians say, that, that this sandal, this, this footwear, was much to the success of the Roman Empire uh, for, the, um, for the soldier because uh, they allowed them to be able to go long distances, and be able to go to, go to extreme, uh, extreme battles and be able to allow their feet and, and, and their entire body to be able to withstand all of the warfare and all the travel that they had to. Again, Paul would be writing this, and he's looking at those sandals as he writes. It'd be like how today... Uh, uh, you know, this weekend kicks off college football, and uh, and we and next Thursday night, you know, of course, our Green Bay Packers will beat the the New Orleans Saints, you know, in uh, in Lambeau Field. Can I get a witness in the house? Oh wow! Everybody, that just clapped. I need you give me a hundred dollars for missions. Okay, anyhow, no, right? I mean, we're it's. But here's the deal: is they wear these warriors that will uh, will go onto the field. They wear cleats. 
that are able to go into the surface of the soil and dig in. So it allows the offensive lineman to be able to hold the line so that when Rodgers drops, drops back into the pattern, can throw the pass, make the handoff, create the holes that need to be made for the running backs or the offensive backs to be able to run, uh, catch, receive, whatever they need to do. Same way with the defensive lineman. It's, it's all about that, that ability to be able to, to, to go through and to be able to break those holes in. So as the, as the as a New Orleans, as Drew Brees passes the ball off, that, that one of our linebackers will be able just to just knock them dead center and, and hold. the. It, it goes back to that footwear, that ability to be able to hold and to stand firm. It's the exact same place where, where we get that concept of cleats from, come from these hobnailed Roman sandals. They were tight and secured so that you could stand to advance the gospel. That's why Paul said that. So you'd be able to stand firm, so that you'd be able to hold the line, so that you'd be able to hold off the enemy and hold off the adversary and protect the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you could also stand firm and slip, non-slip, excuse me, so that you'd be able to advance the gospel in the kingdom. And all of this standing firm, all of this ability to protect and to, and to, and to advance the gospel... All is rested in peace. I, I think God speaks to us more through peace than through any, anything else. Uh, the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 7, Paul says, Let the peace of God that passes all understanding rule your heart. Let this stance, as you, as you advance your life in Christ, let it be rooted in peace. Uh, that this, 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 the, the, these shoes that you wear, uh, figuratively speaking, as you, as you advance in your life and you protect the gospel, let it be rooted in peace. Let, let it, and there's so, many, there's so much, I could spend an entire sermon on this, but I just want to say this. All of this, this entire arsenal of this armor is all rooted and rested in the peace of God. So that where I walk, I'm walking in the peace of God. And my mother used to say, wearing is doubt, don't do. If you don't know, then don't do. Something I do all the time, if I'm praying about something, I'm saying, God, I need your will, and I'm not really certain what your will is, then I will take seven days to pray and fast just to kind of process through. And at the end of that seven days, I'll just ask the Lord, Lord, and, and if, do I have peace about this? And if I don't, I'll take another seven days. And if at the end of that time I don't have peace, I don't do it. I, don't, I, just, I just don't do it. I just say no. I just I don't move in that direction. And here's the reason why. Because the peace of God has to be, our feet have to be shod with that peace of God. That we're walking the peace of God as we're doing our business, as we're, as we're leading our families, as, as, as we're walking to the marketplace. Make sure that, man, you are tight and secure in the peace of God. That where, the, where your feet go, that the peace of God go, goes with you. That you're doing his will. That's where the security comes from. Scary. You, you ever remember when you were a kid and your parents told you not to go someplace and you went there? And the whole time you're looking over your shoulder like, man, did my parents find out? Like we had this place where I grew up. It was called Sutton Pond. And we used to ride bikes. It was right behind the boys club. And so what we did was we played sports year round. The boys club card was $6. I know you just thought Denzel Washington was the only boys club card holder that you knew. But now you know another person that's famous and everything. And we would go and we'd play football. We would do all this other kind of stuff. And after school, it was just right up the road from my elementary school, Sunnymead Elementary, Sunnymead Bulldogs. Way to go. And we would go from there and we'd go over and we would play games and do all kinds of stuff and hit the snack, snack shack and the whole deal. And then we would go take our BMX bikes and we would, we would ride these trails and make these ramps and, you know, just all that kind of stuff. I mean, crazy stuff, you know. And, um, and so we would go. But my parents would always say, don't go over there. Because uh, because there was water and, the, and there was no security and they just didn't want us in those woods. And so the whole time that, we, well, we're kids and we would go, and you're not supposed to hear this, and we would go and, and do that. And the whole time I'm looking, oh, I'm just like, oh man, what if, you know, like if, what if my dad pulls up in the truck or what if this happens or that happens? Or, and then my little brother who was two years younger than me, I would threaten him within an inch of his life if he told mom and dad where we were. And so we would have this bet and I would, get, I would have to have leverage against him to make sure that I'm going to tell them that, yeah, that, that you, like, you broke mom's like prize plate when she thought it just fell off, that you're the one that broke it, if you tell them that we're here. And, and the whole time, you're just, because you're, you're not where you're supposed to be. There's no peace. Listen, if you're in a dating relationship with someone that you know you're not supposed to be with, there's no peace. If you're involved in a sexual relationship and you're not supposed to be because you're not married, there's no peace. If you're involved uh, with, with a lifestyle that is constantly conflicting with what God's word says, there's no peace. If you're involved in a business partnership with someone that you go, I just don't know, but, but there's just something not right. There's just, there's something shady about this. There's just something I can't put my finger on. There's no peace. 
Your kids are going over to someone's house and, and you, they look nice and, and it looks like everything's great, but you just have some check in your spirit. There's no peace. Listen to me. Listen to the peace of God that passes all understanding and let it rule your heart. That's what he's saying there. Make sure that you're walking in peace in your business transactions. Make sure you're walking in peace in your lifestyle. Make sure you're walking in peace in your relationship. Make sure you're walking in peace in your future. Make sure you're walking in peace. And don't be where you're not supposed to be because there's no peace there. So only walk where there's peace there. That's good. That's worth the price of admission right there. Let's move right along. He talks about the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Live by faith. That's the economy of heaven is faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God that, that, that we, we have to operate. We, we accept salvation in faith and, and, and we have this exchange in faith all throughout this Christian walk. Now, to a Roman soldier, there were two types of shields. There was one that was about two feet in diameter and it was circular and it was made for up-close fighting. Actually, these clips that you see as we open this series up, that's all of that garb, is all, all that battle, it's all built around this Roman soldier. But the one he's speaking of is the other type of shield that they would use, which would be oblong. It would be about two feet wide and four feet tall. It would typically be either metal or it would be some type of a wood stru structure that would be wrapped in leather and dipped in water before they would go into battle because the enemy would, would ignite, would put pitch on the end of their, of their arrow and would ignite the arrow and flaming arrows and, and, and go in. And so not to be hit with the arrow and nor to be set on fire because of the togas that they would wear, um, they would have these shields that would, when, when the arrow would come in, that flaming arrow would come in, it would stick because of the leather and it would adhere to it, but it would also, um, it would extinguish it because it was completely a substance in which would hold water and would extinguish the arrow. The other interesting thing about these, these shields is that they could be formed together and create a wall. And overhead and around each other so they could actually advance together in a wall form in the middle of battle. Faith in Jesus Christ is what stops the attack of the enemy. And the enemy that you and I have, Paul says in this passage, he goes and he has these fiery arrows that he shoots at us. And what extinguishes a fiery arrow? The, our righteous living? No. What extinguishes it? The helmet of salvation we're going to talk about in a minute? No. What extinguishes it? The sword of the word? No. What extinguishes it? Our feet in readiness of, of the gospel of peace? No. What extinguishes it? The belt of truth? No. What extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy is faith in Jesus Christ. What are the fiery darts of the enemy? Temptation. Self-doubt. Bringing up your past. Oh, he's good at that, isn't he? By the day you feel like, man, I could just do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then, boom, something from your past comes up. And you just feel like you, your knee, you were just cut off at the knees and you've just, you're dropped. Temptation comes in and it just comes over you. And all of a sudden it's just this enemy that just, just fiery dart. And there's some type of temptation that's there. Self-doubt. All of a sudden you wonder, man, can I really do this? Can I really be this? Can I, can, I really, can I just tell you something? People are not as spiritual and sanctimonious as they appear to be. We're all struggling. When I say we're one beggar to another beggar, where to find food? I'm telling you, we're all begging, folks. Can I, I'm just telling you. I don't care what kind of car you drive or what kind of money you have, whether it's up and over, down and out, somewhere in the middle. I'm telling you, we are all pilgrims on a journey. And, and, the, and, and we would do ourselves good because here's what we do. We compare ourselves with other people and go, well, if I was as good as and if I was as, and I'm just not as, and, and, and pastor just seems like he's got it together. Uh, thank you. And, and, you know, and whatever. It's just, the enemy uses that. It's about Thursday. And you just feel like, man, you're just, I can't do this. I can't live this. Maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe my, because we all have people that, that say things. Listen, we all have adversaries. We all have adversarial relationships. We all have people that we feel like are gunning at us. And it's the work of the enemy. So it's fiery darts. What, what extinguishes that? Faith. Faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. 
It's on him that I stand. It's not in me. It's through him that I'm saved. Not in me. It's by him that I'm going to advance. Not through me. It's through him. That's just why I open up the God's word because that builds my faith. And my faith is built because I believe that God can do it. I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe that, that God will, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus Christ my Lord. And I may not be as good as you or as good as her or as fast as him or as fast as her. I may, I may not be able to do as much as this person or that person. But you know what? God created me and I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He has a plan and a purpose for my life, declares the Lord. And I have faith in that. That's the reason why after a message like this, you leave and you feel like, man, I can just, dude, I can, I can just take on hell with a water gun. You ever felt like that? Like, bring it on, Donkey Kong. It's right here, baby. All there between me and you is air and opportunity. Devil, if you're feeling froggy, just jump. You ever felt like that? Some of you just need that. You have to walk, listen to the download just to hear what I said. And then all of a sudden, about, about Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, oh, woe is me. Nobody knows my pain or my sorrow. Somebody just pray for me. It's because you've just been infused with faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that shield is as big as it can be. Man, you're walking into battle. And here's the other thing that's powerful about this analogy. Remember how I said that, the, that, that together they could interlock together and form a wall and actually, and actually they would cover the top and they would actually uh, form together? It's exactly what the Bible says that faith does. Matthew chapter 18, 19, and 20, where two or more are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. If they ask anything, they exhibit their faith. According to God's word, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. See, we have that power. That's the other thing that you walk away from. That's something you can't get by just sitting at home and watching church on television or on the internet. That's something you just can't get by, well, I'm just, I don't have to be a part of a church. No, we need one another. I need you. You need me. We all need one another because there's times where the enemy comes in like a flood. There's times where the fiery darts of the enemy are coming at me. And I need to know that someone's standing with me. I need to lock my shield of faith with someone else and stand on the word of God and proclaim the word of God and allow God to be able to deal with the adversary, to God to be able to deal with the enemy because I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. This isn't a contest of how strong I am and how much I can overpower you or how smart I am and how much I I can overpower you. I am no match for the enemy, but when I am in Christ and he is in me, I can ask what I will and it will be done for me by the Father in heaven. Why? Because that's what his word says. And so if I'm together with other Christ followers, it increases my faith. That's the reason why together we can accomplish so much more than we can apart. Whether, whether it's we're trying to reach people, whether we're trying to minister to missions, whether, whether we're trying to advance the gospel, whether we're just trying to help one family uh, stay together, what, whatever it may be, we can do that together, and we need to do that. And, and you know where, where the power of this is really shows up at Life Church is through life groups. And during this entire month, you're going to have an opportunity to get plugged into life groups, to get connected to a life group. Listen, transformation doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles. You can hear me talk all day long, and I wish it did more than what it does. But I, just to be honest with you, most of you can't remember what I preached week to week. And three weeks out, I can't remember what I preached three weeks ago. The reality is, is that what happens is, is that this message comes in, and there's something that resonates. There's something that sticks with you. And then you get together with a small group of people in which you're in covenant relationship with. You're, you're, what that means is you're in relationship because you're in relationship with Christ, and you have that as a common denominator, and you're in relationship with one another. And both of you walk together, or the group of you walk together, and it creates strength in your life that when you feel like quitting, you've got somebody there that prays with you. When you feel like giving up, you've got somebody there that grabs a cup of coffee and says, let's talk about this. When you feel like, I just don't know what to say, and then somebody says, you know what, I I know what to say. This is a gifting of the Holy Spirit. And they open up God's word and they give you a word from the Lord that just strengthens you. Shield of faith. Paul goes on to say, the helmet of salvation. Make sure you got the helmet of salvation. To think like Jesus. To make sure that your mind is covered in Christ. You know, they say in battle, in sports, in a tornado, cover your head, duck and cover. I mean, I grew up in Tornado Alley, and so we had these, these drills, and under the desk, and the duck and cover, and the whole deal. Cover your head, cover your head, cover your head. Whatever you do, cover your head, because this is, this is the, man, this is where everything happens, you know? Maybe not a whole lot happens, but whatever's happening, that's where it happens, right? <laughs> he says, make sure you got the helmet of salvation, and the salvation he's speaking of 
is that Romans 10, 9, and 10 salvation. That if I confess with my, heart, my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is who the Bible says is, that I'll be saved. John three sixteen For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. That kind of salvation. That salvation I can't do, I can't put on. I just have to choose to accept what he did for me. Um, it's by grace that I've been saved through faith in Jesus Christ as a gift of God, lest I would boast. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Oh, you're cool with Jesus and, and the whole church thing. And, and maybe, man, it's the fall and it's a new, new fall. It's a new year, new you. And you're just kind of, you're going to do this thing. And I would encourage you to evaluate your own life and ask yourself the simple question, am I a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Not do I just believe that God exists. Not do I just believe that God has a son named Jesus. Not do I believe the church is a good thing. But do I, have I personally asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins and confess my sins and apologize for my sins and ask him to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and start my life new and fresh in him. That's what Paul says. The helmet of salvation. Having that in my life, that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he says, take the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. Rely on God's Word. Make sure whatever you do in the moment of battle, that you, you rely on God's Word. And the Word of God is used offensively and defensively. The Word of God is used offensively and defensively. This is the only weapon that we're given, notice, in the arsenal. There's no grenades, there's no bombs, there's no heat-seeking missiles. Come on with me. There's no tanks or planes. There's a sword. But you use the sword, the word of God, offensively when you proclaim the promises of God. This is why it's so important, even with your children, to teach them the word of God, to help them memorize the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I hide the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against, against him. That, 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 that I take the, premise, the promises of God's word because God's responsible for two things. His, his promises and his principles in keeping those intact. And I stand on the promise. And, and when, I, when I don't feel like I can make it, I, I, I quote, man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if I need to write that down, put it in my pocket, write that down, put it on my mirror, write that down, put it inside my locker at school, write that down, put it on my desk at the office. Whatever I need to do to surround myself with Scripture and to remember that it's one of those things that that's what I need to just keep drilling into my head. And it's because it's not man's words, it's God's word. And so when I proclaim that, I am reminding the enemy, I'm reminding Satan, hey, I'm a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Right here I am. I am a winner. I am victorious through Christ Jesus. I can do all things. You're not just messing with some little peon out here. You're messing with a child of the living God. And I'm, and I'm not a winner in myself, but I'm a winner in him. And, you know, step back, Jack. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm here, right? I'm a winner. And that's what, what it does offensively. Defensively, the word of God, it also, it also helps us defensively because we claim the promises. Because there's times where you, you man, you're, there's sickness that comes into your life. You find people that find, find themselves in some type of a terminal illness, they turn to God, they turn to God's word real quick, and they want every scripture on healing. They want, why? Because they, they are defensively using the word of God. There's an attack of the enemy, and they stand in the word of God, and they proclaim the word of God, and they, 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 they speak the word of God because that's the way the word of God works. It helps us to advance, it helps us to defend. It helps us on the offensive, it helps us on the defensive. It's the only weapon that we have. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this about the word of God. For the word of God is living and active. It's not dead. It's not like your favorite novelist. It, it's, it's those words on the page are organic and life-giving. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, to the very core of the bone. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That's the reason why it's so important for you to have, a, have, have your own copy of God's Word that you can read, that you can understand. And uh, that's the reason why when, when, you give a, when, when we find anyone that gives their life to Christ, one thing we want to do is make sure they've got a Bible that they can read, that they can understand, because the reality is you need to be in God's Word. And whether you're bringing God's Word on, on an iPad or a tablet or, or you're bringing God's Word on uh, your smartphone or whether you have it right there in, in pages and in print, You've, you've got to be living in that book because it's God's word. It has the answers for every situation that you and I are ever going to face. And I used to hear pastors say that and go, ah, 
you know, no, it does. yes, it does, because it tells me how to live my life in such a way that keeps me out of debt, that keeps me in right relationship, that gives me wisdom on how to deal with business, gives me wisdom on how to deal with life, and the more that I read it, and the more that I walk through it, I mean, every year, it's my goal, every year I have a plan that I walk through, and there, uh, that I read the entire Bible through, just personally, it has nothing to do with study preparation, it's just what I do every year. Why? Because I just want to make sure that I'm staying immersed in the Word of God. And I can tell you there are things that I read that it just, it's like a diamond. It's like it has a completely different facet. It has a completely different angle than what it did the year before. It's where I'm at. It's what's going on. And the last thing he says is prayer. Communicate with the commander. Prayer, communicate with the commander. He says pray, 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 pray in the Spirit. And I want you to know something. Prayer here is not a weapon. The only, thing that, the only weapon that we have is God's Word. But prayer is part of the conflict. That's interesting. That's why it's so hard to pray. Because there's spiritual forces. You ever felt like why it's so boring to pray? I mean, you pray, you go through these seasons of delight and discipline. And, and, and there's all these different seasons and, and that kind of a deal. And that's just part of it. But that's one of the reasons why sometimes it's such a struggle to pray and to develop a prayer life and to sustain a prayer life. Because it's a discipline. It's day in. It's day out. And Paul says, look, when you had the belt of truth, when, when you had the, the breastplate of righteousness, when you've, uh, when you've got your feet shod with the preparation and register the gospel of peace, when you have the, the helmet of salvation, when you have the shield of faith and the sword which is the word of God, make sure that you are praying. Pray, pray, pray. Pray in the spirit. Pray, pray. Communicate with the commander because every battle is won and lost in prayer. And I know that sounds trite, but it's so true. That as we begin to pray and we communicate upon God and we talk to him, what we're basically saying is, you know what? I don't have the answers to this. God, you're my source. Lord, I need you to have wisdom. It's just like when you pick up the phone and you call a friend because you, you're trying to get advice on something. Or you don't feel well and you go to the doctor and doctor, tell me what I need. Or you go to the, you go to the pharmacist and you go, hey, I'm, I've got this cough and I've got this drainage and what would be good for this? And It's the exact same way. When we go to God, what we're saying is, I need help. I need answers. I need to know how to deal with this. I, 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 I'm feeling this way or this is what's going on. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Notice, and I talked a little bit about this last weekend, there's no rear protection. There's no armor on to cover our backside. You know why? Because we're never created to retreat. Never created to retreat. Because we're winners in Christ Jesus. So what happens? This is interesting. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah 58, verse 6 and 8. If you don't, you can write this down. The only place in Scripture that it talks about any type of rear protection in the life of a child of God is in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, 7, and 8. And it's a spiritual discipline. I tell you the kind of fast that I want to free the people who have been put in prison unfairly and to undo the chains and to free those who are unfair and to stop their hard labor, to share your food with the hungry, with the poor, with the homeless, with people, in your own, uh, with people into your own homes. And when you see someone who has no clothes, give him yours and don't refuse to help your own relatives. Then that type of fast, verse 6 and 7, that type of fast. Fasting basically is, I am not eating. I am pulling away from food in order to, uh, uh, to get closer to God. Not to, try to get, not to try to get God to leverage God to get him to do what I want him to do. Not to try to, I'm not on some hunger strike to get God's attention. But I'm trying to make sure that I'm hearing the voice of God and that I'm pushing in that direction. Then the light will shine like the dawn. Then my wounds will heal quickly. And your God will walk before you. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. I'm telling you, every battle is one lost in prayer. And these spiritual disciplines that are in God's word. See, some of you go, man, I've been serving God for 20 years. I never knew that. It's been in Isaiah the whole time. Mm, have you been reading the word? I'm just joking. But right? But, but, but the point is, is so, is so in that, what protects us? That spiritual discipline of having fasting in my life. Work. And really what fasting does is it shuts everything else down and it helps me be able to hear the voice of God. And the last words he gives us in verse 18 are never give up. When you're in the middle of this battle, don't give up. When you feel like quitting, don't give up. When you feel like throwing in the towel, don't give up. When you feel like you can't make it, don't give up. Whatever you do, don't give up. 
Don't give up praying. Don't give up fighting. Don't give up the word. Don't give up salvation. Don't give up living right. Don't give up truth and integrity. Don't give up peace. Don't give up. Even if the enemy comes in like a flood, don't give up. Even if you feel like, man, you're about to lose it, don't give up. Even if you feel like you're about to draw your last bread, don't give up. 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 And I'm telling you the most spiritual advice you can get. I'm telling you the most spiritual advice that you can get is just don't give up. Just don't quit. Don't quit God. Don't quit church. Just don't quit. Just stay engaged. Because the enemy of your soul says it's just not worth it and you just can't do it. And all of a sudden you just want to just let go. It's just one time or just this. And all of a sudden, boom, it just builds in your life. Don't quit. But pastor, you don't know the struggle. Don't quit. You don't know the temptation. Don't quit. I just don't feel like I'm good enough for this. Don't quit. You don't know what it's like Monday through Friday. Don't quit. Galatians 6, 9, and 10, for God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that's what he'll reap. And, 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 and if you don't become weary in well-doing, for in due season, if you don't quit, you'll have your reward. It's taken us, at this stage in the ballgame, I, I was in an architectural meeting this week, 10 years to build this building. 10 years. A decade of my life I have invested here. Don't give up. Don't give up. There are people that I have been praying for for 10 years in this community. Don't give up. There are people that I felt like God spoke to my heart that they'll have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because they sure don't have one right now. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't leave. Don't stop. Just keep going. Just keep giving. Just keep loving. Just keep serving. Just keep. Don't give up. Just keep digging your ditch, baby. Just dig it and dig it. And you may not see the, the rain. You may not hear the wind like we did yesterday, but it will come. Don't give up. Just don't give up. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to see a lot of people who've been through a lot of stuff. And I think the one common denominator that we're all going to have is that we just didn't quit. Oh, man, we barely got in by the skin of our teeth. Oh, my goodness, man. We felt like we were pulled through a knot hole backwards. Oh, man, we felt like we were not worthy. We felt like we were having to, to live life on the altar. We felt like, oh, we spent more time saying, God, forgive me, and God, help me, and oh, Lord. But we just didn't give up. We just kept serving. We just kept loving. We just kept giving. We just kept, don't give up. Don't give up. Now, the reason why I preach this message today and last weekend is because I feel like in the next 12 months, corporately and individually, we're going to fight some battles. We're going to be in some conflict. And I just want to remind you that we win as long as we're in him. And that we will see God's will come to pass if we'll just stay in Him. And that we're warriors. But we're not warring with people. We're not warring with governments. We're not warring with politics. We're not warring with the economy. We're not warring with the up and downs of the world that we live in. We set our eyes upon Him. And as long as we stay in him, he will protect, he will provide, he will meet the need. Corporately, listen to me, corporately and individually. Because we're about to come into a season in this church to, I believe, exponential things are going to happen. And in a positive way, people are going to come to faith in Christ. Marriages are going to come together. Students are going to come to faith in Christ. Things are going to happen. God's going to open up doors of influence for us to be able to serve our city, to reach the city of Milwaukee. We're going to be able to break some barriers and to do some things, not individually but corporately. But it's not going to be without conflict or without a fight. And I just want you to be equipped. I just want you to be prepared. I just want you to be ready. We're going to win. Look at me. Don't. I'm telling you, we're going to win. Are you, are you worried? No, 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 no. We're going to win because this isn't my idea. <laughs> this is his. We're going to win. It's going to be all right. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be all right. Seriously, just say, it's going to be all right. Because some of y'all look, oh, I'm scared to death. It's going to be all right. I just want to let you know, we're going to win. But the reality is, is that there's going to be some conflict. The reality is, is there's going to be some, there's going to be some attacks. The reality is it's not always just going to come together. But we're going to win. I'm going to pray for you, Father. I just thank you for your word. And I know last week and this week, I've really been talking to the, to the core, to the committed here at Life Church. 
And I feel like, Lord, we're coming to a season that myself, the staff, us as congregation together, individually and corporately, there's going to be attacks because your word says that there, there will be things that will happen. So first and foremost, that we not be alarmed. Because just, that's just part of doing business. It's just part of, it's the lay of the land. But that secondly, that we are conditioned like that soldier that Paul was writing about as he was chained to him in the first century. That we're conditioned, that we're ready. Ready for anything. Ready for everything. Because it's in time of peace that we prepare for war. We know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in you through the pulling down of strongholds, to the casting down of imaginations, and everything that exalts itself before the name and the power and the glory of you. So Lord, I pray for every individual. God, that they would live right before you and walk in holiness and purity before you. And I know that none of us are perfect. And none of us in and of ourselves are are holy, myself included. But, oh, God, that we would just continue to to fight the fight, continue to stretch, continue to to try, continue to to move forward, to become more like you and, 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 and more like you, Jesus, and less like ourselves. I pray, Lord, that you would just help us, God, to to walk righteously, not piously, not self-righteously, but to live right before you. I pray, oh God, that you would help us to to walk in peace in our relationships and what we do and where we go and what goes on. I pray, God, that you would help us to, to know how to use the sword. That's your word. And the only way we know how to use it is by working with it and practicing with it and developing our skills to to, to be great swordsmen with your word, to know the word of God, to be able to use the word of God and let it rightly divide the truth in our life. That we need not be a novice in this area, but let us grow in maturity. God, let us always go into battle, Lord, with that shield of faith that when the enemy would try to come in with those fiery darts of self-doubt and temptation and sin, that, God, that we'd be able to raise up that shield, be able to stand on your word and be able to proclaim that and know that faith in you is what stops those attacks. I just pray, God, that you'd help us to always be in prayer with you in communication, because it's in prayer with you that we tell you what's happening. And God, that you from the front lines, that you speak into our lives and you download into our hearts the truth that we need for that day. And never, ever, ever, even if we feel like we're losing the battle, God, we've won the war, that we never give up, that we never give up. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.